WEEI Studios, 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. Gerard, is there any benefit to making it clear that you guys are going to do things a little bit different way than Bill did them? You know, last few times we talked to you or Elliot, there's been a clear sort of um, delineation there. Is that important for you guys or to send a message maybe to even players that might play for you? You know, you know once, look, it's going to be different, but at the same time, I would say, look, Bill did a great job for a long period of time. I don't want you guys to take this as uh, because we're changing our shots toward the previous uh, regime. Uh, and saying that we will do it differently and it'll feel different. But at the end of the day, we would like to replicate the success that the prior regime has had. And so uh, I learned a lot from Bill uh, and also his staff. But now we'll, we'll see what this chapter looks like in, in the franchise. That was Gerard Mayo today speaking with uh, Phil Perry in that cut, but also Patriots reporters. This is hour number three of the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy here on WEEI. And if you're watching along on Twitch, you can see Fitzy's pet owl. What is that? <laughs> Well, your father had a bird fly into him, and it's true. you guys took one in. My son, yep. literally, at the break, um, <laughs> apparently one of his friend's moms bought these little stuff. There you go. <laughs> stuffed owls, and he's like, here, Dad, there's one for your for your yeah. broadcast. So if now, uh, yeah. now I've got a companion. I have a comfort owl for the rest of the broadcast. I know many are, many are probably wondering, who is that with you? No! <laughs> I know. I'll accept Rich. it. I know. I'll accept it. I'm a dad of two, and it's just I've I've pushed back so long on those awful jokes and yet here no, i am no steer uh, rich steer into it. i came up with a terrible one yesterday yeah, what do you got i went to my local baker to find out what makes their bread so good they wouldn't tell me they said it was on a need to know basis Love it. yep <laughs> there it is perfect it's <laughs> exactly what he said uh you guys can join us at 617-779-7937 if you want to uh, get in here but again that was gerard mayo i think hearing the criticism that he has gotten, that Elliot Wolf certainly got after yesterday, and others, uh, as they've talked about how different they're going to be, but each time, and whether they're knowingly doing it or not, it seems like they're taking shots at Bill Belichick. And I think a lot of what they're doing, I think, is good. Like they're they're answering questions, they're they're trying to tell you what their philosophies are going to be going forward, and obviously things are different. If you wanted things to be the same, you just would have kept Bill here. My concern is we're so early in this process and they've like Mayo already had to come out and be like, no, 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 we love Bill. We love Bill. We're not, this isn't a criticism of Bill. Do you think this like free flowing conversation that these guys have had is going to go away? Like as much as we want it in the, in the media, as much as the fans might want it, it's so easy to react and be like, you're giving us more stuff. And now if we don't like it, we're going to criticize it, whether it's fans on social media or calling us or, or even just us saying this stuff. Like, I wonder if we're going to get this for a whole, like a whole lot much longer, or they're going to kind of pull the plug on it. See, I don't think it's going to go on much longer because I I think now we got to seriously like, okay, this has been great. You got thunder. We're the thunder buddies. (laughs) We're doing things differently now. Collaborative environment. Bill Belichick's great. We just got the report card back. Apparently, our facility is trash. Uh, We have some work to do. So now, how about we stop playing the games of optics and telling people what we think they want to hear and actually just get get down to paying, signing, uh, luring, and drafting good football players? Because Mm -hmm. as we heard, 
Patriots had to meet with a bunch of different quarterbacks yesterday. Speaking with, I think they spoke with Jaden Daniels at the combine, doing those pre-combine interviews because a lot of these guys aren't throwing. Yep, meeting with Caleb Williams. Like there is so much more work to be done, other than either complimenting Bill Belichick, telling people that they're going to do things differently, uh, you know, or just basically explaining what the new environment's going to be like. Like guys, that's fine. Mm. Just score points and win football games. That's it. That's all I care about. I don't want to hear anything else now. It's also interesting timing with the dynasty going on, isn't it? Because we're reliving all these moments in Bill Belichick's history. Some unbelievably good, some not so much, you know, based on the the Spygate episode that we just saw. But we're living that, you know, on a week-to-week basis. While in real time, Gerard Mayo's now had several opportunities to answer questions. Elliot Wolf yesterday had a chance to speak. And Really, it's those two guys that are kind of replacing Bill in a way, right? Like Bill was the GM, even though he had other guys here, and Bill was clearly the head coach. So these two guys are going to have to answer a lot of those uh, those questions. But um, you mentioned the quarterbacks in there, and they're they're interviewing quarterbacks. Another thing that came out today, ESPN had all of their uh, team reporters answer the question: which player needs to move, or what what player needs a change of scenery this off season. So Mike okay. Reese, uh, obviously covering it for uh, ESPN, for uh, the Patriots. Kind of a no-brainer here. He went with Mac Jones. But allow me to read what he wrote about Mac Jones. And, okay. again, I, I love Mike Reese. I'll, say, I'll start with that. But I don't love a lot of what he's gotten here. So he starts with, it isn't out of the question that Jones could revive his career in New England. Full stop, stop right there. All right, Adonis. Please pull the ride over, sir. I'd like to get off. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not having that's fun. That's fine. I'll, I'll walk the rest of the way. I'll, I'll five stars. No, I'll we just started. We just started. You got 20 more minutes. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so that's the thing. Is like I can't. I can't go there. And then he says, perhaps taking off with a boost of confidence from first year coach Gerard Mayo, like Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa experienced with Mike McDaniel in 2022. Mm-hmm. Second mm-hmm. stop. Mike McDaniel and uh, Gerard Mayo. Give me just one difference about the two of them. I have one. Mike McDaniel was an offensive guy and has always been an offensive guy and is viewed as one of these offensive geniuses. Gerard Mayo was a really good linebacker turned really good linebacker coach. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's going to be the one that takes his quarterback into the the new land. Um, But a case, as Mike Reese says, could also be made that a fresh start is best for both sides. Where I don't think there's an also here. Like, I think that is the case. Like, uh, he should be somewhere else. Maybe he can turn his career around, but it's not going to be here. And I don't think the Patriots should even, like, continue with this this charade. Okay. What if... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get crazy here for get a second. Get crazy. It's, it's Wednesday. Okay. What if... Okay, you know, uh, here's, here's your would-you-rather Wednesday. I'm going to go what if Wednesday. Yep. What if the New England Patriots were to engineer a trade with the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. okay. Yep. I'm and let's say. just say the I'm Minnesota say. Vikings in wanting a quarterback so bad. Let's say they just decided, like, fine, okay, we'll 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 swap picks and we'll give you Justin Jefferson. Okay. Could you do if I told you Mac Jones okay. would be the quarterback with Justin Jefferson and then you have the eleventh pick, let's say you get, I don't know, Malik Neighbors. Okay. He fell like a stone. All of a sudden he <laughs> fell a little bit. Roma Dunze falls. Yep. Okay. Who knows? Okay. What if I told you you could you could run it back with like two instant studs? And Mac Jones still? Mm-hmm. I'm out. I'm out. I'd rather give Bailey Zappi that right. opportunity than Mac Jones. There's wow. just there's too much wrong with 
Mac Jones, and I don't think putting on the Patriots uniform would be one that he would have an easy time with. This was also something from uh, Elliot Wolf yesterday that reminds me of Mac Jones. Uh, body language on the field is very important at that position. You know, you don't want a guy that's throwing his hands up after a bad play, or you can you can see him physically, you know, pointing at somebody, or you know, body language is important. Everybody's looking to the quarterback. Um, and as far as outside agencies, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that. So there's just too much there where, like, he's not a leader on the team. The guy was a disaster. So I think he needs to move on, go somewhere else, go somewhere where he's not the starter right away, and then who knows, maybe falls into it. Maybe there's an injury. Maybe there's a really bad performance by the starter. He goes in, pressures off a little bit. And, yes, the talent needs to be a lot more elevated in order for him to have success, but I just don't think so here. The other thing that uh, Reese adds in that story is he says, similar to the 49ers receiving a fourth-round pick from the Cowboys in a trade for quarterback Trey Lance, the expectation is that Jones would have value if he is moved elsewhere. Whether the Patriots do so probably depends on whether they sign a veteran free agent or select a quarterback in the draft. So I I love Reese, but he's got him possibly reviving his career in New England. He's got Gerard Mayo being a QB whisperer, and he says that Jones would have value around the league. I don't know how any of that is true. Can I ask you a question? Did you yes. Um, yes. was not able to make a listening occasion of it, though I am obviously a P1 to the Rich Keith program mm-hmm. at any an hour. Obviously. Um, did you guys happen to share the audio of the hoister yesterday? Brian Hoyer on Good Morning Football. No, we did not. Well, what did, we'll what did he to, have to say? Did he respond to uh, you know what we should do? We should Johnny effort, Manziel? Uh, yes, he did, but he also spoke at length to the New England Patriots, Mac mm-hmm. Jones, the way things went this year, and how he thinks maybe it, too, could be fixed. Why, you know, since we're going to be up against it in just a minute, okay. perhaps young Stanley, uh, producer extraordinaire, could effort that over the break because he outlines... Another scenario, which I think some actually no, no fans, including Rich Keefe, would want to possibly consider. Uh, I have him on Manzel. I have Hoyer on Manzel from yesterday. Want to play that? See what he says, or do you mm. wait for the Patriots? It's, wait for the Patriots. All right, we'll wait for the Patriots cut. Right, okay, there you go. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good idea. But as far as Mac Jones have having more value elsewhere. Hmm. I don't think so. Like a fourth-round pick for Lance. Now, that might have ended up being high. We don't really know what the hell Trey Lance is. We just know that the 49ers gave up too much to get him, and then they gave up on him, and then the Cowboys jumped in there as a project. We haven't seen him since. Like, I don't know what the hell Trey Lance is or what he's doing. Mac Jones is, like, a little bit more broken. Like, I would say Trey Lance still might have a little bit of that, like, upside with him. Whereas, I don't know if Mac Jones has that. Like, yeah, he had a decent enough 2021, but the last two years were just so bad for him that I think, if anything, teams are like, what, are you going to keep him? Like, no, we'll offer you, like, a pick swap or something. And if you want to do the pick swap, fine, but we're not going to give up too much for him. Yeah, but, again, here we go back to Elliot Wolf yesterday saying, like, we got a lot of money. Let's slow down on the whole burn some cash. We may spend it. We may keep it. What if Alex Van Pelt gets to him? They do. A, they look at a lot of tape. They figure like, all right, we already got him for one more year. We're, we're only yeah. gonna get a fourth or a fifth. Like, what if we trot? Okay, there still exists. I hate to say this, but like, people need to wrap their minds around it right now. Again, it's only February twenty eighth, and we got six yeah. and a half months till they actually play a game that counts. But there does exist a scenario, a real scenario, where Mac Jones is the starter week one, snap one for the New England Patriots. Man. Obviously, alongside a, a cornucopia, a supplement of 
new offensive talent, but they may try to they may try to salvage this and see what they have, draft somebody later, and and then see what they can do with them. Man, that is. I know just, you hate it, Rich. This yeah. is just. Well, it also it goes back to I would have said no chance in hell that that happens based on everything that's going on, and, and you want these big changes, and, and Gerard Mayo's in town. But when Elliot Wolf said this in regarding to the burn some cash spending or saving, will spending or saving just keeping him alone would involve the saving. That would that would be big savings. Not bringing in a quarterback because quarterbacks are expensive. You might get them cheap for a couple of years, but as, if they're any good, uh, it's like a ticking time bomb. They're going to be super expensive at some point. All right, we'll get into some more of the draft conversation because we got some more um, info today, including who Bill Belichick wanted in the draft. There's a report today about who Belichick wants. Now, he's not with a team, but I don't know where this this came from, but we'll talk about that. And also uh, news at the very, very, very top of the draft. We'll get to that. You can join us as well. It's the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy, but right now here is Stiz with What's Trending. Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI. Trending now, some sad news coming out of Fenway earlier today. Stacy Wakefield, widow of Red Sox former pitcher Tim Wakefield, has passed away. Her passing comes just five months after the pass, uh, excuse me, after the passing of Tim Wakefield. Both Stacy and Tim were battling cancer before their deaths. The Red Sox announced Stacy's passing and distributed a statement from the Wakefield family earlier today. Sox spring training continued today. Red Sox lost to the Nationals 3-4 down at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches in Florida. Sox will host the Tigers tomorrow at JetBlue Park in Fort Myers. First pitch at 105. Don't forget you can catch that game live on WEI 8.50 a.m. Celtics have made it nine straight wins after beating the 76ers last night at the TD Garden. Jalen Brown, 31 points. Jason Tatum, 29. Kristaps Porzingis, 23. Celtics have the night off tonight. They're back on the court Friday when they will host the Mavs. Tip-off from Causeway Street at 7.30. The Bruins also have the night off tonight. They will be back at it tomorrow night when Bruce Cassidy and the Golden Knights come into town. Puck drops at 7 p.m. from the TD Garden. And according to the Herald, the Patriots have met with UNC's Drake May, LSU's Jaden Daniels, Michigan's J.J. McCarthy, and Oregon's Bo Nix at the NFL Scouting Combine. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More Ritz Q Show coming up. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say W-E-E-I's a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on W-E-E-I. Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy, W-E-E-I, on this Wednesday evening in uh, Draft Combine Week. Patriots meeting with all the QBs, all of them, and uh, they should. Because whether you take one at three overall, you don't know who's going to fall to you. Maybe, you. maybe you love one so much you decide to trade up. Or if they don't take one the first go around, there's another three that are going to be either first round or early second round. And, I mean, they have to bring one in regardless. And then also free agency, whatever else they decide to do. But how about this story, Fitzy? Uh, on the NFL Network, Bridget Condon. Be honest, heard of, not super heard familiar. Of yeah, not familiar. Sounds like a made-up person, but she was there. There's a clip of it and everything. Okay. 
But she was talking about who Bill Belichick likes in this draft. Hmm. All right. Let's, let's have a listen. I can tell you, based on conversations that I've had with people around the organization, Bill Belichick loved Jaden Daniels. Mm. He was a guy on the top of their draft board, okay? He was going to do everything in his power to try and get that guy. Does Gerard Mayo stick with that and say, okay, we're going to figure out how we get this quarterback in here? Or is he going to say, you know what? I'm now the new man in charge. I'm going to do things my way. What in the world? So we, now we know now? who Belichick wanted? For 24 years, we didn't know who Belichick wanted. Now, the, the big difference, he's no longer with a club. He is a free agent, as it were. But you believe that? Like, where, that's coming from the clouds. Like, where do we, they Time love? Out. How does a girl, how does, excuse me, how does a ahead. human person, a human. anyone, yeah. reporter, yeah. how does a, someone like Bridget Condon, who I'm unfamiliar with, this is not Pelissaro, Palmer, uh, Bucky Brooks, or especially Rap Sheet, who supposedly has ties into the organization, not Field Yates. Mm-hmm. This is a, a random woman I've never seen before on NFL Network, uh-huh. and all of a sudden now she's got scoop sources inside the organization, and she knows who Belichick wanted to take three overall? Get out of here. I don't know. The New England Patriots love Jared Stiddle. Ah, the over Kind of reminds me of that, doesn't it? Doesn't it remind you a little bit of that? But I was like, I had not heard this uh, at all. But apparently, she's like pretty confident that, uh, yeah. I can tell you, based on conversations that I've had with people around the organization, Bill Belichick loved Jaden Daniels. Mm. He was a guy on the top of their draft board, okay? He was going to do everything in his power to try and get that guy. Does Gerard Mayo stick with that and say, okay, we're going to figure out how we get this quarterback in here? Or is he going to say, you know what? I'm now the new man in charge. I'm going to do things my way. Well, he's definitely doing his things his way. Now, it doesn't mean they can't overlap in which player they like the most. Or if they're dead set on taking a quarterback, it's not. And if they don't trade up, it's not really up to them, is it? Like there's whoever the Bears take or if the Bears trade, whoever the commanders take. And then whoever's left, that's who they're going to take. And I do not. Here's my uh, my early uh, February 28th prediction. Uh, if they... If they end up with Jaden Daniels, they will have to move up. Jaden Daniels, I to me, is not going to three. said that on your show weeks ago. Okay. I'm glad you're finally yeah. with I'm me. I'm with you. I'm with you. He's not going three. He's going two. I think he's going to go Williams-Daniels. Oh, Rich? Yes. Now, today, earlier, yep. I think we learned from a couple of the insiders that were circling out and about mm-hmm. in between there. Like vultures. Yeah, in between, you yeah. know, they're... I just had the most amazing shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's Steakhouse here in Indianapolis. And the only thing spicier is all of the rumors flying here all and about in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I'm Hack Sportsman. Back to you. That's right. Uh, Um, I think I, I, I believe there were at least two reputable sorcerers who said that there is now some belief some teams think Jaden Daniels is the the top prospect and could go numero you know. How about Phil Perry from the uh, Next Pats podcast? He's got uh, this. I will share with you a couple of nuggets uh, that I've heard as it relates to the quarterback position here in Indy. Number one, Caleb Williams is not everyone's number one quarterback, what? which surprises me a little bit. It's not even something that you hear from evaluators that he is the most far and away most talented, no questions asked, and it's just the off-the-field stuff that we have concerns with. There are football reasons as to why Caleb Williams might not be 
every scout, every coach's favorite quarterback in this year's draft class. I found that interesting. Number two, the Bears, after having spoken to someone in Chicago, are not dead set on taking Caleb Williams. It's not a guarantee. It is not locked in. And this week will matter for him for all the reasons we just mentioned. Who are you as a person? We can see what you did on the field. We can see how talented you are. We can see even how you handle adversity in game situations. But how do you interact with other human beings? It's such a key part of the job. This will be a big week for Caleb Williams. Convince the Bears that you're worthy of that number one overall pick by how you interact with them in meetings. So how about that? The Bears might not want Caleb Williams. Other teams might not want Caleb Williams. And if one of those teams is the Washington Commanders, could Caleb Williams fall to the Patriots at three? Uh, No. Somebody would trade up, right? No, that's the thing. That's the thing is that if another team thought Caleb Williams was unattainable because he was going to go first overall and didn't bother trying to trade up into the rich spot of number one, Mm -hmm. if they learn that he's number two, now, I mean, the command the commanders would more than I mean, I just take them. They would just be like, like, no, we'll take nobody can have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they would probably try to charge an arm and a leg, the future, the furniture and everything for somebody to move up from three to two, let alone another team that's deeper in the draft. Yeah, I, I there there exists a real chance. Now, I know Caleb Williams, Drake May and Jaden Daniels will not be running or throwing at the combine. They're just doing interviews. I'm not sure about pro days. But I bet they'll we, do pro day stuff. I think they. I think all those guys. There's tape. Up, yeah, there's tape of all of them throwing at a country mile over them. Their mountains. Sure can. We know what they can do. Yep. They're legit playmakers, especially Daniels and Williams. I'm. I'm with you. Worst he goes is two. He might go first overall. Yeah, that's what it seems like. It's funny because as the season was going on, and he was putting up, you know, he was a high like Heisman candidate. His stats were crazy. He ended up winning the Heisman. But even prior to that. He was maybe a second round pick, wasn't he? Like he he's the guy and it happens every year. There's always somebody that is not the preseason. He's going to be the number one pick like, you know, like Trevor Lawrence, for example. And then there'll be somebody else that sort of joins that conversation and sometimes flies all the way very up to the, the tippy top of the board. And I think Jaden Daniels has a chance of it. I think he's for sure. Uh, you know, you, you had said it, but he's for sure going to pass Drake May. But it feels like. It might not be the three teams in that order, but it's going to be those three quarterbacks, one, two, three. Other teams, if, if they, if the Patriots decide to trade down or the Commanders or the uh, the Bears, it's still going to be those three guys, right? Yes. Like, I don't see any other position. As much as I want and you want Marvin Harrison, I don't think that's going to happen. And speaking of Marvin Harrison, yeah. Brian Hoyer, you had mentioned uh, former Patriots backup and former Johnny Manziel teammate, was on uh, Good Morning Football. And here's what Brian Hoyer had to say about the Patriots at three. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a it's a it's a new regime, right? Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, I'm excited about Gerard Mayo. Having played with Gerard, um, having seen him, you know, grow as a coach, excited for his opportunity. I don't think there was probably a better fit to you know have someone come in after Bill than than Gerard. He he knows the culture. He played in it, and he's been there for the past few years. Um, look, there's a lot of different things that they can go. I think obviously the number one question is always going to be with the quarterback. Um, You know, I'm going to stick up for my guy, Mac. I know that he's kind of got a raw deal the past few years. So, you know, with that third pick, they have an option. What do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, you're in line for one of the top three guys, but also, you know, being a quarterback guy myself and looking at a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., (laughs) I mean, you you pair him up. Mm -hmm. You know, I I know what Mac's capable of. I witnessed his rookie year, and I don't know if there's been a receiver that's come out in, in recent times that's more prepared. Obviously, he has the DNA, you know, and then he's gone out here and proven it. You know, I don't watch a ton of college football, but 
when I watch and see Ohio State and the things that he does, I mean, it seems to be like a bigger, faster version of his dad, which, you know, you take that any day. So he's sticking up for Mac, which I'm not surprised by. Mm-hmm. Although I, what he says is kind of, uh, I don't know if he realizes it, but I don't know if it's necessarily a strength when he's talking about Mayo. And like we can get to the Harrison thing, but when he's saying that Mayo's the perfect guy to replace Bill because he knows the culture, aren't they, by all accounts, trying to change the culture? <laughs> don't they not want the old culture? So I'm like, eh, maybe he's not the best guy in your mind. Well, maybe it's, I think it's more of a, He's familiar with the way things have been done around there, where things go, who the people are. So, like, there's enough familiarity that it's not going to be a complete from ground zero up learning curve. It's not a hard reboot. It'll, yeah, but I think they want differently. I think well, they yeah. get done differently enough. They want the collaboration. They've they've hammered everybody over the head with the collaboration. Obviously, the hard ass line is what jumped out yesterday from Elliot Wolf. But just they're doing things so differently, and. Uh, which I think they should, by the way. I know we're, we're, we're talking about it and how maybe they're taking extra shots at Belichick, but I think one of the reasons why all of Bill's coaching tree guys failed when they left him was because they were just trying to do the same stuff, and they were trying to be like, well, what worked for Bill is going to work for us. It's gonna work. This is how we're going to do things, and that's not the case. So Mayo could be one of those guys that breaks away from the coaching tree. I don't imagine he has a ton of success you know, this year, but at least if he starts to build something – kind of doing it his way. I think that probably is the best way to go about it. Uh, but his take on Marvin Harrison, I mean, it's probably, as he even says, it's a, it's a quarterback's take. Like the quarterback's like, well, actually, I could do all right if I had somebody like that. And uh, I just don't want it to be Mac. I'd, I'd much rather it be Marvin Harrison and Baker Mayfield or Marvin Harrison and Bo Nix or Marvin Harrison and, you know, fill, fill in the blank, somebody other than Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. I don't, I, but just a Matt, like everyone keeps talking about, like, you know, when Mac Jones was at Alabama, he was so much better because he had such great weapons. Yeah. What if? But this ain't college. Like Ken Dorsey and Colt McCoy were legends in college, too. I'm not ruling that out. I just can't. I just. Oh, so you are really, so you kind of uh, are on board with Mac Jones in a way, or like Mike Reese was saying, like you're not ruling out a. um, I didn't say I'm on board with it. Not on board, but you're not ruling out a revival here. Like I've ruled it out. I nope. just don't think I, have not, I refuse to. No, okay. I, I, nope. Interesting. No, I. He I just, sucked so bad. Oh, he was he was terrible. Mike Lombardi says yeah. that that's the reason why. <laughs> yeah, right. Clearly, like, Belichick is so putting bad. it all like, on him. Yeah. Come on. I mean, the yeah. Oh no, one hundred percent. And I, I yeah, heard yeah. internally that he was the scapegoat in the for the in Bill we trust crowd and the Belichick believers and assistants inside the building last year. It was mm-hmm. like it was the quarterback's fault. He he sunk us. Like well. He didn't also swap Jacoby for Juju. He did also not, you know, stage the hobo rumble at right tackle last year. Oh, like, correct. I, I feel like when you go 4-13, and 13, there's probably enough blame to go around. There's probably a few people it's at like fault. It's like one of those extra-large <laughs> yeah. party pizzas you get yeah. at the grocery store. Yeah. Like, there's plenty for like, everybody. Look at how many extra pieces there are. Like, yep, you get all the share in it. Offense is terrible. The, you get one of those, like, roster. middle ones when it's a grocery store pizza, yeah. when it's a huge rectangle and it's cut, and you're like, where do I hold it from? There's no there's no corner or edge or crust. You kind of have to fold it, don't you? <laughs> at that point? Because then you get you Mini sort of pizza case. It's it's a pizza dia. Otherwise, you're just all cheese fingers. If you fold it up a little bit, you at least get kind of crust, right? But then you just kind of one bite it. Now you got too much in your yeah. mouth, and then you can't talk to anybody for five minutes. Like you're in the middle of the party, you're just like, is he okay? Like, yeah, he's just chewing a giant piece that he shoved in his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> he's gonna be no good to us for about five minutes. Uh, like but otherwise, but otherwise, you get both your hands greasy. 
Like yeah. it's the it's the only play. It's such game. a difficult art to try to teach a child to yeah. stop taking such huge bites that they fill their entire <laughs> mouth. Like yeah. no one's going to steal your. You, you yeah. yourself mm-hmm. have said that you're a fast eater. The fastest. It's gross. It's not. It's not healthy. How have you not been able to coach yourself out of it? I don't. I don't know. Well, what I also do is I go like long periods of time without eating, and then I make up for it, and I eat like a lunatic. I eat like a dog that's been starved, and then I go another like ten hours or whatever, and then it's like, oh, now it's feeding time. I feed. I don't even eat. I feed. It's disgusting. It's I've. Tried not to, but I don't know. I can't help myself. <laughs> One time we did, you know, like like a hot pot, like where you go and you and like you have to actually like cook the food in like the hot broth right in front of you. Love it. So do I. And that actually, that's the only way to slow me down because I literally have to wait until the thing gets cooked. So I'm eating like actually one piece at a time. That's, that's the way to do it. That's the only way to have like a healthy meal for me. Speed. Your wife has to turn the Keefe yep. residence into a hot pot yep. area. We're gonna update the island. We're gonna we're gonna fire a couple of hot pots and just sit around. Yeah, that's that's the that's the way to go. Uh, yeah, and then in all of this too, I keep going back to Marvin Harrison is probably just gonna be sitting there right at four and fall into the laps of the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. We're talking about all these quarterbacks that want him. Hoyer would want him. Mac Jones would want him. Every single quarterback would want Marvin Harrison. And then freaking Call of Duty Kyler Murray is going to be able to get that guy, most likely, uh, and and see if he can help turn his career around. See, I, you know, when Brian Hoyer says that he's going to stick up for his guy, Mac, obviously he's he did to such a degree in 2022, saying this reverse-engineered BS of an offense with yeah. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge sucks. That got him shipped out of town. And then, yeah, of course, did. he ends up beating them last year when they play the Raiders. Oh, my God. Yeah. God-awful game. He may think that there's enough left in Mac because he got done so dirty by the team two years in a row that fixing him would be a worthwhile endeavor because you already have a quarterback prospect there who's shown a few years ago, and I know he's looked like garbage on Rye recently, but yeah. what if you can fix him? Yeah. And just imagine, just imagine for the slimmest, tiniest sake, just imagine that they did what a value play that would turn into. Even if you got a year or two out of him uh, as you groom another quarterback and it's decent quarterback play. Let him go sign a big deal somewhere else. That's fine. Yeah, man. I just, again, it's sports. So like crazy things happen all the time. I feel like they're more likely to make the playoffs next year with whoever's quarterback than Mac Jones have a good season for them. Like that's just how far I am a, a no on him and like yeah he's under contract it's a cheap year if they were picking fourth let's say let's let's say they screwed it up they won one extra game and they were picking fourth mm-hmm. then i think there might be a little bit more of a chance because now you are going going to like knowingly pass up drake may or Jaden daniels or who knows or even caleb Williams. you're going to pass up on one of those guys and then kind of play russian roulette with the quarterback position i feel like they need to have a plan like as good as Belichick was for the majority of his career. He did not have a Tom Brady plan, a replacement plan. He did in 2014, but then when it came time to actually having a replacement, didn't have one. And Robert Kraft was there for that and and got talked into it by Bill and then saw how it played out. It was, hey, we're going to get Cam Newton for a year, terrible year. Then we're going to just stay on the board at 15 and take the fifth best quarterback in that draft, at least based on the, the, uh, the draft. Uh, and then ride that out for a couple of years and then like just kind of put our hands in the air. 
So I can't imagine they're just going to roll into the season with, with Mac Jones. And let's say they do. Let's say part of him is like, we're going to keep him on the roster. What does the rest of the QB room look like to you? Vet and a rook. Okay, so you draft Mac one, second, Mac, third round? Draft Yeah, you draft one, draft one and buy one. Yeah. Like a Jacoby Brissett? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of the most obvious signings that's going to be coming down the road Just, soon. I mean, we we should. Yeah, Belichick's not here to mm-hmm. to say that he does. He's not a good enough quarterback and trade him to. Where did he trade him from? Went to the Indian, Colts Indian for Philip Dorsett. That's right. They both were probably just going to get cut, and then they were like, "Hey, let's do this. Make it look like they weren't wasted draft picks." And then a trash for trash trade. Yeah, yeah. They both did like okay, at least for like what what it went for. Belichick's all always had. The, one of his biggest blind spots, though, were succession plans. Yeah, I, I'll never understand how there was never like quarterback, offensive coordinator, tight end. Offensively speaking, yeah, there was no slot receiver to take over for Edelman. Nope. Now he had one to take over for Welker with Dola. It's so funny. He had one when the way back then because mm-hmm. Dola came in to take over for Welker. Turns out it was Edelman all along. Yeah, um, yeah. He basically had like Edelman, Amendola, Garoppolo. I think was in his mind, and then when that didn't work out. And he was just like, all right, forget it. We'll, we'll just go for it this year, and then we'll kind of uh, punt, I guess, or try to win on defense in 2023. You know, like, that's that wasn't going to work either. But, yeah, it's fascinating. And, again, we started this by talking about uh, the NFL Network report, like, literally from the clouds that Belichick likes Jaden Daniels. Like, I don't even know if that's true, how that could possibly would be the case. How much, how much Bill Belichick was doing on Jaden Daniels I can't imagine much. Or who was doing the who was doing the recon? What's their big him? board? Nobody knows what the Patriots' big board looks like. Nobody's notoriously small big board under Belichick. Yes, actually. And also, hasn't Bill talked about like how invested he is clearly during the regular season? I don't think he's watching a lot of college football because I remember even in the brief time that I was interviewing him, Bragg, and I would ask him about certain like college guys or whatever. Like, say somebody had like a crazy game over the weekend. And, and he would make more focused on the Jets. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Like having that chance. Like, I will have to go back and watch that one or whatever else. Like, and I don't want my NFL head coach, you know, watching a ton of college football tape during the season. That doesn't help anybody. You got scouts and you got personnel guys to yeah. do that. And that, the only reason why you should be watching college tape is so you can steal some plays from them and then run them against the Ravens in the playoffs just to piss <laughs> off a Harbaugh. Yeah. You can't do that. It's like, yes, um, you can. okay. So as we head to break here, yeah. I want to ask a couple of, necessary questions on this topic do you do you want as elliot wolf talked about being excited about these quarterbacks and saying that they're all dynamic and very tough and he's excited about that do you think the new regime likes daniels as much and would they take daniels in spite of hearing this about belichick or would they not do it just so they can try to prove themselves different yeah like part of me wonders if well i don't even know if this is true that belichick likes daniels but let's just say that it is I could see the Patriots maybe wanted to go different. Like we're doing our things our own way. Cause let's say they get Daniels. Now people are going to be like, well, that's who bill wanted. <laughs> they just took they just who bill wanted. Bill, yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. But I also think back, I don't know how many real mobile quarterbacks Alex Van Pelt has worked with. Like the Sean Watson isn't uh, Joe Flacco. Isn't Baker Mayfield. Isn't Aaron Rodgers? like is what he is. He's not like a running quarterback. He can, you know, elude the pass rush, which is important for everybody, regardless of what your 40 time is. Uh, like, I don't even remember. Would he work with, like, Trent Edwards in Buffalo? But, like, that doesn't seem to be his style of quarterback. But one thing I do like that he said, I didn't like, you know, his 
emphasis on the run game. But one thing I did like is he was going to like, fit whatever they have to the player's skill set. So that does at least open the door up to a running quarterback. All right. Yep. You guys can uh, jump aboard the show at 617-779-7937. We have Kiefer Madness coming up. The world of wrestling lost an absolute legend. So we will pay tribute uh, coming up next year on WEEI. You can watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. And check out WEEI on YouTube for our video on demand content updated daily. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. It's time for Kiefer Madness. Kiefer Madness. Richard Keefe, I think it is. Rich Keefe. Who is that? How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Joshua Adams. Uh, what now? It's Kiefer Madness. Where's Keefe? Where, where is he? Where's Keefe? Where is Keefe? Hey, Keefe, you're a dude. I was doing Junko Inoshima from Danganronpa. I'm a firm believer in UFOs and Sasquatch. That's funny. Yo, Kiefer Madness is so hit or miss. Keefe's a nice guy. Keefe's a nice guy. Okay. Kiefer Madness? It's Kiefer Madness on WEEI. I bring it. Well, Fitzy, uh, sad news. We lost a wrestling legend today. Michael Jones, better known to the world as Virgil, passed away only 61 years old. I would have guessed. 61 years older. young. 61 years young. Thank you. I mean, so he thinking back to his time in the uh, 80s, right? he was a young, young gun back then. But famous, of course, for being the, uh, the bodyguard of the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Uh, that's where he's most synonymous. You know, he was always kind of ringside. He'd always get beaten up by whoever DiBiase was wrestling and then uh, eventually turned on DiBiase. Eventually also went to the WCW, was in the NWO for a stretch, as was like a thousand other people. But uh, end of a, a, just an incredible wrestling career, uh, Virgil. What are your, what's your biggest, your, your best Virgil memory? Was, was Virgil at WrestleMania 1? Which WrestleMania was? Oh, that he turned on him? No, no, no. Just I, like that he was always there. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, WrestleMania 4, I think it was. Because like, then he was involved with, like, uh, Andre the Giant and Heenan and all that stuff. Because they're, like, with all those, with all the heel guys. Like, he was in there. But I, probably 4, 5, and 6 is probably what you're thinking with him. Okay. Um, I do remember seeing Virgil and DiBiase at the Garden once when I was a kid. Did you really? And I used to always think, you know what the yeah. one thing that struck me whenever I saw him, especially seeing him in person? Wow. He's in such better shape than Ted DiBiase. He was. Like a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, like he was a beefed up, just monster. Yeah. And, like the bodyguard was better than the wrestling. I used to always think like, why is this guy the wrestling? I hate this guy. <laughs> He's not in great shape. He no. does this. Slaps no. people, laughs. Slaps, lots like, chops, a lot of uh-huh. things like, like that. Like where Virgil yeah. is just like an absolute hoss. Oh, yeah. And I, what I remember from Virgil was, it might have been one, one of the, when he was like in the Royal Rumble or something, he would wear like the shirt with the bow tie and then no sleeves. And you're like, look at this guy. Like, what a great look. And then rocking the million-dollar belt. Now, with all good relationships in wrestling, you know it's only a matter of time until uh, one turns on the other, and that's certainly happened here with Virgil and the Million Dollar Man. Now get in here and wrap that thing around my waist. 
going to be the story of your life, huh, Virgil? What do you think you're doing? You get down there and you pick that belt up right now and you wrap it around my waist. Everybody's got a prize. I'm taking all the back, Virgil. Look at the look on him. A standing ovation here for Virgil. Years and years just listening to Ted DiBiase. And just, yeah, enough was enough. Finally turned on him. Uh-huh. Listen to this entry from his Wikipedia page. Please. Um, he played uh, football at Virginia Union University. He was yeah. a defensive back. Uh, later worked at his uncle's loading and moving company and began entering bodybuilding competitions. He's a big dude. After a ch- yeah, like I said, the man, he was jacked up. Mm-hmm. An Adonis-like frame. After a chance meeting with Tony Atlas at a Pittsburgh gym, Atlas recommended Jones go to pro wrestling. In that same year, he began trading with Afa of the Wild Samoans. Uh, what a small world. Next about thing you that, know, he's in a there. chance encounter with a legendary bodybuilder turned wrestler. After his wrestling career, although these guys never truly stopped wrestling, I think I read that he had a match in 2020. So, like, these guys wrestle forever. But there was, for a long time, he gained a lot more uh, notoriety 10 years ago, maybe, where he would be at all these Comic cons, right? Like the, all these wrestlers go to these conventions everywhere, and it's kind of sad. But there would always be pictures of Virgil at his table, and nobody would be there. And there were these memes that were created called "Lonely Virgil," and everybody would have one. And he's not alone. I've been to enough of these cons where there are like B-list actors and actresses that also don't really command the huge long line. They go, they get money to go, then they get money for every autograph, but people aren't going to spend a ton of money on this stuff. But if you just give a, a, give a bing to Lonely Virgil, you're going to find a million of these pictures of him sitting by himself at these tables. Oh, that's terrible. It is kind of sad, but I'm just, uh, that's, that's part of the story. Have you, know? you ever, Rich, have you ever waited in line or paid like good American money to have a photo with or meet somebody at a con? No, I've been to a few cons and sort of like talked to a few people, but I didn't do the photo for money thing. No. So my one, my one of the many regrets I carry in this life, yeah. one as far as comic cons and whatnot. Yeah, though, yeah. In 2017, shortly after I moved back to Boston area, there was like this sad little mini comic con type of thing at the Hanover Mall in Hanover. I went to that. That was the Northeast oh. Comic Con, and the hashtag yes. Dork Boys were there. Yeah. Oh my God. We it. almost could have run into each other. It was at like I, a hollowed out JCPenney. Yeah. Yes. We were there. Yeah. And actually, I found it reasonably entertaining, mm-hmm. but. Burt Warden at the late great Adam West was there. Batman and, and the Robin. line was across the entire con. Yep. And my friends that I was there with we were like, ah, oh, this is too long. And then of course he dies like a year later. And then just the text chain of regret, like, we had a chance. We could have just waited for a half an hour. We could have all gotten a photo with the original Batman. Damn it. I know. It's crazy. Uh yeah, we met a lot of interesting people at that convention. Uh we didn't talk to West or Burt Ward either, but yeah, that was a that was a pretty good Comic Con. Well, <laughs> Anytime you can have one at an old abandoned mall, at a, a, a hollowed out JC yeah. Penny. Uh huh. Yeah. Nice. So, so what is so what is the oh, so Virgil will be remembered as like one of the last great, I guess, valets, huh? Yeah, I think so. I think at a time where the manager was super important, like 
wouldn't you say, like, so you had Miss Elizabeth around that time. You had classy Freddie Blassie, Bobby the Brain Heaton, who was probably the best, Mr. Fuji, Jimmy Hart, Virgil. Now, Virgil could wrestle a little bit more than those guys could. He didn't wrestle a ton, but he would occasionally. But, yeah, I think he's just synonymous with, like, you know, that time was Hulk and Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, like Ted DiBiase. Golden Age. And then, like, the the notch under that, though, like, if you're naming people that you remember and recognize, Virgil's definitely on that list. Oh, he makes that second tier. I think so, yeah. Hillbilly Jim and Hacksaw Duggan. Oh, Hacksaw, definitely. Jake the Snake and Virgil. Like, that second tier of characters from the 1980s, early 90s, Probably still more famous than all the like the majority of the great wrestlers now. Yeah, they and they they lived that. That was the old wrestling lifestyle too, where there's on the road for 300 years, and it's like they, they claimed a lot teams, of them. They claimed a lot of them. The oh British yeah, you like bulldogs and the killer bees, road and, warriors. Yeah, uh, we got uh, a Virgil story. Let's go to John in the truck. He joins us next year on the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy. John, what do you have? Rich, uh, you hit the nail on the head with. I went to, years ago, at the World Trade Center, World of Wheels. Virgil was there. He was behind a booth. He was selling autographs. And I really didn't want to buy it. But from talking to him, I kind of felt obligated to give him $25 for an autograph, 8 by 10 a.m., that is now proudly represented up on the wall in my basement. Very nice. But, you know, he he was definitely one of those guys that was kind of like, you know, looking over the shoulder behind everybody else where you wish you could love him a little bit more, but he just kind of didn't have that charisma as everybody else. Yeah, he was in there at a time, and thanks for the call, John. He was in there at a time where there were just, like, some of the biggest stars in the history of it, and that was also the early WrestleMania days, and it was just very different. But, he, I mean, he fit right in with that group, and I'm honestly like, he must have been really young. I'm not doing the math, but he must have been 25, 26 when he was – probably out there when he first made his mm-hmm. debut yeah. and then he was a part of then he jumped over to wcw like with a lot of those guys that were uh that were the older wwf wrestlers that went to wcw and he was mm-hmm. right there and uh in the nwo at one point so there you go uh, sad news today about virgil three hours down one hour to go on the rich keep show with fitzy here on weei including grab bag coming your way at nine twenty.